with sales offices in major cities nationwide. Call this toll-free number now to see how to get this free information. The information includes a form for confidentiality and to record and date your idea, plus materials that explain how to... Paved with gold Lifted some stones Saw the skin and bones Of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering From the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face. -face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. There was a time when you could only get Heart of the Matter uh, on broadcast television, broadcast and cable here in the Salt Lake area. Then We then added a station in the Boise, Idaho area. Later, we made uh, all the programs available through our archives on the Internet. And then Andrew, our brother in Norway, all by himself, decided he wanted to put YouTube clips. And he did that, hundreds of them, all over the Internet. We added streaming video, which means you can go to www.hotm.tv from anywhere in the world and watch live. And then we recently added DirecTV. And so you can watch uh, Heart of the Matter from your DirecTV stations. I don't know what station it is, but uh, we thank and praise 20? And then it's 20. I just learned that. We, we thank and praise God Almighty for taking care of areas that, uh, that we don't really necessarily, especially I don't understand. If you have family or friends who can't get Heart of the Matter uh, through the normal means of television, have them go to hotm.tv and they can watch it from anywhere in the world. For two years now, we've held a Bible study in, on Sundays here uh, locally. And we want to invite all of you to attend. It's to learn the Bible in a non-religious, non-sectarian way. So uh, attend your respective churches in the morning, then come join us if you live in this area, Salt Lake, at the University of Utah, 2.30, every Sunday afternoon. And then we go up to Logan, Utah, Utah State, and we meet there from 7 to 8 p.m. Go to www.calvarycampus.com for more information. I Was a Born Again Mormon is now available on PDF, PDF format. That's just a downloadable format. You go online, you click PDF, and you can get it absolutely free of charge. If you want to make a donation, you can, but it can be in your hands within minutes. Our objective is not to necessarily sell books, but to have people, peeper, have people read uh, the, an insider's experience 40 years in the church and then what happens when you become born again, the struggles, the trials, the difficulties of that occurring in your family and then, uh, and then how you transition out. Okay, teenagers, parents of teenagers, we really need you this coming Saturday uh, who are in the area. This is not a matter of somebody will take care of it so I don't need to. We need you. We need it done by you. 
We're coming out with a new live call-in television program that will air on Saturday nights from 10.30 to 11.30. We think it has national broadcast potential. At the beginning of these television shows, um, they have an intro, like, like the one we have for Heart of the Matter, and we have Johnny Cash singing. Well, we're going to be filming the introduction for this teen show, and it will play every week. It will introduce the show, let people know that it's coming. Um, we need you at West High School at 8 a.m. sharp this Saturday morning. Uh, West High School is in Salt Lake City on 3rd West, and uh, you can go to, uh, I think we have a graphic come up, the Great Generation. Uh, Saturday, uh, thegraygeneration.tv. You can get a map. You can get directions. It's 8 o'clock. Please wear black, gray, white, a combination of those. If you only have Levi's, then wear them, whatever. But bring your skateboards, backpacks, props if you want. Come as you are as a teenager, an intellectual, a, uh, a Greek scholar, a skateboard rider, a punk, whatever it is, come as you are And because we're going to be filming you and uh, we need you. We'll provide lunch and you uh, come and help us out. That's this Saturday, August 1st, 8 a.m., West High School, Salt Lake City. Go to www.thegreygeneration.tv for more information. We had a caller call about the Trinity, and I gave an, an answer about the Trinity is unknowable and that the Bible gives us some indication of what the Trinity consists of, and I explained that. Well, very well-meaning people, I mean, even just as recently as a minute ago, someone gave me a diagram, and uh, people are very interested in, in other people understanding the Trinity as best as possible. But all things considered, having been in this ministry to Latter-day Saints and, and answering this question, the best thing to do is to just turn to the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit open your eyes as you read it and let it reveal diagrams are great and all the emails you've sent ex explaining what the trinity is it's like water it can be vapor it can be liquid it can be ice and all these different parallels always will break down in a philosophical analysis of them and that's why i don't use them i know what they are but i don't use them for that reason so i appreciate your kind heart and in, in informing me on some tools i can use to help explain it but they usually don't uh carry through completely because this is the God of our, of our entire universe, universes, whatever it is. He's unknowable. Com he's not completely knowable by a finite mind. Now, there are some really good tools. This one in front of me is really good. But just know that, and uh, I really do appreciate your, uh, your insights on how to explain the Trinity. There's a lot of interfaith dialogue going on today, and there are rules to such dialoguing, and these rules must be kept in order to gain the respect and acceptance of the people you're having the dialogue with. Now, I don't want to put God in a box, and I realize that with dialogue, people can be touched and come to see the true and living God. But when it comes to the LDS mindset, I know from having been there that their participation in interfaith dialogue is usually geared at one of two things or both. First, it's geared to appear Christian. And they want to have the appearance through these dialogues of having all these commonalities with people in the body of Christ. And then the second one is to recruit, to get people and to have them believe that Mormonism is Christian. So when the missionaries knock on the door and they say we're from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormons, they say, oh yeah, we saw a thing on TV. You guys are a very nice church. You have a church around here. And then they are able to grow that way. But you see, we have a very, very difficult problem being Christians. And that is we have to speak the truth. And so when you get in these dialogues, 
you're going to meet with people who have an agenda to appear very, very friendly and very accepting. And they'll say things like, we, we love you and respect your journey and your path and this thing that you're walking on. It's wonderful to us. And in response, the Christian has to say, I don't accept what you represent. What? I just said that I accepted you. But our duty is not to be necessarily embraced and accepted by the world and these, these uh, efforts toward ecumenism coming together. We have to say, I appreciate you as a person. I realize that you have thoughts that are outside of the faith you belong to. But this faith that you belong to is not biblical, is not Christian for these reasons. And when you do that, you're going to be labeled as intolerant. You're going to be labeled as a fanatic as a bigot, as a person full of hate. That hate speech is really big now for someone who doesn't embrace everybody. Prepare for that to grow. Be prepared for churches more and more uh, to stop, step back off the truth of the Bible in order to not offend so that they can please the masses and keep people coming in. But I tell you, the time is quickly coming when you gotta speak the truth and no matter how kind someone else is, and they say, you know, I just love this walk that you're on, it's so wonderful, and I'm sure you feel the same way about me, you gotta say, I don't, you know? I, I love you and I want you to know who Jesus is. So be prepared to see more and more of that especially in the, um, the LDS church, because Jesus said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, few be there that find it. Jesus said uh, that hell is a reality and people will go there. Now that's just so anti-politically uh, correct, but Jesus himself, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And, and if you say that in a public forum, boy, you know, that's really ostracizing a lot of uh, faiths. And we have to say, so what? Because we want them to hear the truth and not sell it. And with that, let's have a prayer. Dear Lord, uh, we love you and we need you. We praise your name and we ask you to be with us as we talk about and compare and contrast biblical Christianity with Mormonism. We pray for our audience here, wherever they may be throughout the state, the world, the nation. We pray for our volunteers, our technical staff, everybody who puts their time in to see this go forward. And Lord, we pray you will send your spirit to those who are seeking uh, more than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen. For the past two weeks, we've given some theological groundwork on the purpose of Mormonism embracing the practice of polygamous marriage. The stones of this foundation include, last week was pretty heavy doctrinally, the LDS belief that matter has always existed. It could not be created or destroyed even by God. That was one of the first principles. We talked about uh, their belief in eternal laws and principles that were not created by God, but also have always eternally existed and that men and women can progress, so to speak, in material body, soul, and spirit through obedience to these laws and principles and ultimately become gods. We talked about how material in Mormonism must progress and get better, improve every step of the way in order it to reach its full potential. When an LDS man takes upon himself a second wife, he has multiplied his given domain, his earthly sphere of responsibility, and is therefore placed at a higher level of uh, accomplishment and potential glory. 
And this is the ultimate thinking behind the Mormons taking on more than one wife. Now, if you add three or four or five or 12 or 56 additional wives, that LDS man is literally practicing a heavenly, a heavenly order that uh, God once practiced when he was coming through mortality. And um, that taking on an extra wife was taught as an eternal law and principle that has always existed. Therefore, it will forever exist. Now, <clears throat> living the polygamy uh, way helps material men advance in the ways that God the Father advanced according to Mormonism and it allows him to produce as many children who also can continue to advance toward Godhood. All this is based in materialism. And then it gives the man more spiritual wombs with which to create spirit babies when he becomes a God with his wife or wives in the hereafter. So don't forget my friends, this is so vitally important in the discussion. Do not forget that the Latter-day Saint Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints today, still believes in the doctrine of plural marriage in polygamy, okay? Do not forget this. I would love for an LDS caller to call and say you are absolutely wrong, and we will talk about why. In fact, when a Latter-day Saint tells you that they once practiced polygamy for some uh, weird reason, but today it's in the past, I want you to ask them three questions. The first question is this. Is the doctrine and teachings for the practice of plural marriage still in your present day LDS scripture, Doctrine and Covenants 132? Can you open your scripture that you carry with you every day Sunday and open it up to 132 and see the doctrine of plural marriage still there? That's point one. Then you can ask them, can a man today go into a temple and have a woman sealed to him in addition to his wife for that woman to be his also when they die and in the eternities? The answer is yes. If my wife, who happens to be here tonight, passed away and we were active LDS, I could go out into that audience, get another person who'd be willing to follow me along to the temple, make them my bride, and then have her sealed to me in the temple. And then when I die and then she dies, me, her, and Mary will all be one happy family. The LDS today still practice spiritual polygamy. Now, they have spent a lot of time and money saying, We'd have nothing to do with polygamy. It's not true. They believe in the principle completely. I'm telling you, all right? The third question you can ask them is, is the LDS doctrine of polygamy or was the LDS doctrine of polygamy an eternal principle, okay? Because remember the teaching is, if it's an eternal principle, it was never created. Because if it was a principle that was created by somebody, it is evil. That's their theology. So for it to be something that's not evil that they follow, it has to be an eternal principle. So if they say, no, it wasn't an eternal principle, it was temporary, you could say, well, by definition, according to your doctrine, it was an evil doctrine. Okay? But they can't. They have to say it's an eternal principle. Because it was practiced by gods, it's practiced by people still today, and they say it's an eternal principle. And then you can say, well, why don't you practice it today? And then it corners them again with another thing that's, that's uh, illogical to their argument that they have nothing to do with polygamy. Bottom line, 
The LDS claim toward polygamy today is deceptive. It is completely deceptive. And when we, they have a presidential candidate or somebody in high public office, they're very big on spending dollars showing in the media how they have nothing to do with it. And it's just a lie. And so I wish somebody would, who's informed would explain this to the media when they start running for offices, public offices like the president, and explain they still believe in it. Don't let them lie to you. Okay, as we've mentioned, once everyone in Utah settled here with Brigham Young, far removed, the power and influence to practice polygamy became great and not just a way of life. There was a demand upon all LDS men that if they were going to achieve the highest degree of celestial glory, Godhood, they had to practice it. Men were encouraged to build the kingdom of God with the practice. If they refused, they were looked down on, even ostracized. Now, listen, the prophet and apostles made it known in no uncertain terms that polygamy was required to reach exaltation in the LDS faith. Faith. Was the prophet wrong then? Now, uh, was polygamy necessary to achieve eternal glory? And was that taught? It certainly was taught. Was the prophet Brigham Young wrong when he taught that? Or, and if he wasn't wrong, what's happened today? Is it what, what's going on? Are people today not able to reach it because we can't physically practice it? Ask yourself these questions. In fact, this leads you to a question. Was Brigham Young and the apostles wrong in teaching this about polygamy? Was it a true principle and practice that, that was required to be exalted or was it not? Because everybody who lived then believed it was. Men went to jail believing it was necessary. The fundamentalist LDS groups living in southern Utah and Colorado and parts of Canada and Mexico, they still believe that it's necessary. They still actually practice true Mormonism. The current church has to stop the, the outward practice of it, but they continue to practice because they know it was taught you have to do it to become a god. Where Brigham Young and leaders like William Clayton and Heber C. Kimball all had these magnificent houses to house their dozens of wives. Brigham Young had the beehive house and he had the lion house. And then uh, William Clayton and, and uh, Heber C. Kimball both had what they called big houses and for big love. And so they, they had these homes where all the wives could go. Um, the, the, most of the other men did not have the means to provide a place for their wives to be. But because they needed to practice the principle, they had to adopt it and to stick them all in the same one-room cabin or leave them out living out in the outskirts of town and visit once a year so when they could get by and see them. I would suggest you read a book uh, by one of Brigham Young's ex-wives, Annie Liza, and it's called Wife Number 19, and to get a flavor of what life was like for families under uh, the prophet at the time. Uh, their lives were bleak, and they were crude, and it forever placed these families in a permanent condition of poverty. Uh, so hot was the demand for wives in the Utah Territory, however, that there were few social regulations put in place on how it was to be done and, and, and if there were any rules to it. And, and this led to a type of familial bedlam in, in the territory. Courtship patterns slipped sideways and there was no standard on how you should or could attain, obtain a wife, a new wife. For example, in Brigham City, there is a Bishop Smith who married two of his own nieces. Uh, in Springville, Bishop Johnson married six of his own nieces, with the oldest being only 15 when he took her to wed. 
As the others grew in age, they were given to him, the last being only 13 years old when they were sealed. And Eliza wrote, quote, Uncles and nieces were married. One man would marry several sisters. And it was very common thing for a mother and daughter to have the same husband. Gosh, I'm glad I didn't live in that time. <laughs> in one family, she wrote, at least three generations were represented among the wives. Grandmother, mother, daughter. And in Salt Lake City, a man actually married his half-sister with the full approval of Brigham Young. Author Richard Abanus writes, quote, Brigham Young reasoned that since all people were brothers and sisters born to Heavenly Father, then earthly relationships were of little importance when it came to ceilings. A scholar from Brigham Young University, one Jesse Embry, admitted that as late as 1886, LDS Church President Lorenzo Snow held that brothers and sisters could marry. As a point in history, I just want you to know that on November 7th of 1901, the First Presidency decided that there is, quote, a rule in the church forbidding cousins to intermarry, and that first cousins can have temple marriages if they present a civil license. Excuse me, I read that wrong. The first presidency decided that there is no rule in the church forbidding first cousins to intermarry. So Fanny Stenhouse, who also defected from Mormonism and from polygamy, wrote a book called Tell It All, and she said, quote, marriages have been contracted between the nearest of relatives and old men teetering on the brink of the grave have been united to little girls scarcely in their teens. Unnatural alliances of every description, which in any other community would be regarded with disgust and abhorrence, are here entered in the name of God. In the name of who? In the name of God. Now, let me say this here and now. From my personal, just pers not biblical, my personal way I don't care if people want to do strange things. I don't care if people want to marry ants and, 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 and adults and whatever freakish thing they want to do because there are so many strange cultural uh, practices out in this world that I, I can't try to be the police force personally. And so I just resign myself to saying, I know what the Bible says I should do and I try to follow that. But, I, and of course you do disagree with little children and young, and young 13 year old girls marrying men, but, the problem is Mormonism claims to be Christian. This is the problem. If Hinduism was worshiping cows, I have no problem with that. Have at it, buddy. See what that gets you. But manure. But <laughs> what, what, when someone with Hinduism said, I'm worshiping cows and we're Christian, then I would say, wait a minute. We have to talk about that. That's the problem with Mormonism, is they are insisting publicly and in every way, shape, and form that they can, we are Christian, and yet they still believe in this principle and practice. I don't think the attitude sound Christian. Here's the reason in the rub. This stuff is not of Jesus. It has never been of Jesus, and yet today, while retaining this doctrine and while publicly renouncing that Mormonism claims to represent his church. In the Journal of Discourses, Volume 4, page 209, Heber C. Kimball said, quote, In the spirit world, we will go to Brother Joseph, and he will say to us, Come along, my boys. We will give you a good suit of clothes. Where are your wives? And the men will answer Joseph, saying, They're all back yonder, Joseph. They wouldn't follow us. And Joseph will say, Never mind. Here are thousands. Have all you want. 
What does this attitude say about LDS men toward women? What does it make a woman who's LDS feel like who hears this type of stuff being said when the territory was being established and all the way up into the 50s, 60s, probably even some of the 70s. What attitude does this do? Does it sound Christian to you? When Brigham Young was approached by one Phineas Cook and Phineas told him that his wife was all tired out, quote, Brigham Young replied that, quote, when his women got tired, he could take them home and exchange them for fresh ones. Three separate individuals all reported in their private writings that future president of the church, LD, uh, Heber C. Kimball, referred to his women as cows and was quoted as saying, quote, I think no more of taking another wife than I do of buying a cow. Sound Christian? Let me take a minute and explain something to you about women and Christianity. And then we're going to go to the phones, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We love first-time callers. We love LDS callers. And uh, we like callers who have a point and are a question, and they get to it. No pot smoking before you call the show. It's a universal rule. All right. In Genesis 2.23, Adam said, This is, speaking of Eve, the bone of my bone, the flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That woe means from, out of man, woman. In the Hebrew, the name for man is ish. And the name for woman is isha. They are like man from man. And from the beginning, they were one. They were from the same source, two parts from the exact same essence. They were equally one. This was God's idea, fitting together like two puzzle pieces in soul, in spirit, in body. This was God's idea. With the fall, however, the original condition of men and women's relationship got really, really ugly and competition and anger and manipulation and power struggles and selfishness entered the marital relationship. The only way to keep people together were through laws. And so when God made, uh, promised Abraham he was going to have a covenant people rise up through his loins, he then, through Moses, established laws. When God brought the holy nation of Israel together, he instituted this code for those living in the flesh while under the conditions of the fall. Within this law came a priesthood which served and functioned to bless the children of Israel by divine right. Only Jewish males could hold this priesthood, no females. In this code, there was a demand for the men of God to be identified, and they were identified to each other and by other nations by circumcision. This token set them apart from the rest of the world as a people, as a nation, as a priesthood. God gave nothing of this law of circumcision to women. All of their identity was received through the relationship to their husband who acted as head. The order would stand uh, up and through uh, the Christian community. Since uh, Adam was the first and Eve was taken from, from his side, he was made head of the relationship. He was identified. She was not except through him. He, if of the tribe of Levi, could hold this priesthood, exercise this priesthood, she could not. Under the Jewish dispensation, church and state were identical, and no one could be a member of one without being a member of the other. 
and circumcision was a sign and seal of membership in both. But again, the point is, is that the woman did not have an identity under the law. She had it through her husband. Prior to Christ and because of the fall, all of this occurred. Uh, needless to say, women had very, very few rights and they could be abandoned for any number of minor infractions by their husbands. Needless to say, before Jesus, life was very, very hard on women. It was hard on everybody. This life is uh, the very system that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young reinstituted back upon the Mormon people. They went back in time, they adopted it, and they applied it to their own operation called the Restored Gospel. What they neglected to understand and still neglect to understand was about 1,820 years prior, a man named Jesus was born. A God named Jesus was born. In his short life, he restored everything to its Edenic state through his death and resurrection, life, death, and resurrection for those who want to embrace that state spiritually. For starters, he took the title deed that Satan had taken through the fall and he recaptured it through his death and resurrection. Then he, now listen to this, he also fulfilled the law completely and scripture says he abolished it on the cross. It was nailed to the cross with him. All the rites, ordinances, commandments of the law nailed to the cross, okay? Because human beings couldn't live it. He did in fullness for us, therefore he abolished it so we could live by grace. Since his death and resurrection, all have identity in him. Listen, in Galatians 3.28, it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. The scripture says that women now must have their hearts circumcised, just like all men need to, not physical circumcision anymore, that stuff's all of the law. It's gone. But every person now has to have their heart circumcised. And women, children, men, teens, whatever, they have their identity through him now. Do you get that? When Joseph and Brigham reinstituted polygamy, they reinstituted this, this Old Testament law. And it still exists today in their thinking about who Jesus is, what he can do, and, and, and the role he plays instead of what he did completely. It's a mockery, in my opinion, of what they have done in reinstituting what Jesus came to abolish. All right, let's open up the phone lines. 801-973-TV20. Uh, I have a question here. We have John, a first-time caller. But before we go to that, we're going to do one quick break to talk about our partners program. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Sean McCraney with Aletheia Ministry, producer of Heart of the Matter. We exist solely on the support of those who appreciate our efforts at reaching others with the saving message from Jesus Christ. We want to invite you, if you're so inclined, to come alongside with us, partner with us financially. Now, all uh, support and prayers are greatly appreciated, but Heart of the Matter Partners, or HOTM Partners, has been carefully designed to supply support for Aletheia Ministries' long-term sustainability without burdening individuals too much. On your screen is an address. You can write to partners there, ask information, whatever you want to do, we'll send you a brochure. Also, if you're interested, you can check us out at www.hotm.tv. Additionally, you can call us, 1-888-868-4686. 
all prayers, all support are appreciated. God bless you. See you Tuesdays. Thanks. Welcome back. And we do appreciate people who can't be partners. There's a limit on that, on how it works. And if you can't be a partner, we understand completely. Anything that people do is, is appreciated. Your prayers, contributions, uh, sharing the show with others, whatever is within uh, your ability. And what, however the Lord leads you, we appreciate it and love you for it. Um, we're, uh, there's a question on the screen. Where can we go in the LDS scriptures to show that the temporary laws are of the devil? Doctrine and Covenants. And uh, if you go to last week's show, I give you the reference in the Doctrine and Covenants of where you can find uh, that information. But it was a revelation Joseph Smith uh, received. And I want to say it was close to 132. It might be section 131. Uh, Jason from Ontario, B.C. asks, what amazes you most about Mormonism? It's a very unique question. Uh, two things uh, of which I was guilty myself. Uh, the first one is blindness and uh, that they have been blinded. And Jesus constantly, when he was on the earth, was constantly saying, hey, you know, pray that their eyes, uh, they have eyes to see, but they can't see. Pray that they will open. Pray that their ears will open, that they, they can hear. And so it's the blindness, and that blindness comes by being taught the philosophies of this religion since they were young, or by the influence of the missionaries coming and giving them a partial gospel uh, combined with not knowing what the real gospel is. So the blindness is amazing. The second thing that amazes me most is the pride. Uh, and there, I'm going to get a lot of emails for that, but I mean the pride, and you can't help being proud when you have a system of salvation that is based on works. If you are in charge partially, the way you see it, for your salvation, you are going to be puffed up when you have more than one wife. You're going to be puffed up when you have 70 children instead of four. And you're going to feel that you are more advanced and exalted than others just by virtue of the fact that you have done more of what is uh, asked of you. So the pride is just a, an integral part of the doctrines that come with Mormonism. And it's astounding to me every time I see it. So um, those two things most. John from Davis, first-time caller. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, yeah, this is the first time I called. Um, I got a question, actually two of them. One question is, because uh, um, I just came from prison like four years ago. You became a what? A Christian? Prison. Oh, you came out of prison? Yeah, and in prison, the, uh, the LDF leaders uh, are telling the, the Mormons who are felons there that they are not to be forgiven of their sins until they're off of parole. I was wondering, where on earth did they get that from? That pride that we were just talking about? Yeah, I uh, know some people who have been in prison, and it's, it, what you're saying is absolutely true. There's no forgiveness if you're a felon. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I mean, the Bible teaches us all we have to do is believe in Jesus. Amen. We're forgiven. Amen. And we don't have to, I mean... There's Mormons there that could die there, and, you know, they're just kind of uh, automatically think they have no no way of winning. It's disgusting. You know? My heart really goes out to those, more, uh, those prisoners, John, and uh, being in there behind bars, and I just can't imagine them being then fed junk like that uh, while they're sitting in there until they get off parole. So while, sit, while you're sitting in prison, you might as well live it up in sin or whatever because there's no reason to get any better because you can't get off parole while you're inside. What a horrible teaching. I wish they would somehow remove all LDS from prisons. Remove them from prisons. Remove them from prisons. 
I had I had one other question if you have time. Yeah. Uh, is that I went to a Bible study there and I found out it was an LVF Bible study, and they uh, they were doing a picnic uh, for Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ and all the prophets. And I'm like, I'm just like that's not in the Bible. Just before the rapture. Yeah. And it's like, well, where does that come from? I mean, people were coming off their seats trying to answer the question. I'm like, yeah, I was trying to get removed from the Bible study because they didn't like it. So they were teaching? They're, they're teaching there's going to be a picnic? Yeah, there's going to be a picnic just before the rapture with Jesus Christ, with Joseph Smith, and all the, all the prophets of the Bible are going to have a picnic just before the rapture. Yeah, I, you know, I've never heard that. I would love someone to, to email me that information. I'll check with Sandra Tanner to see if that's true. Look under picnic in uh, Encyclopedia of Mormonism. Yeah, because it seemed like all the people in the, in the Bible study, the Mormons, just were unglued. Yeah, that's really amazing. There's going to be a picnic before the rapture. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know where they get this stuff from. Hey, man, great call, John. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to another John Salt Lake City first-time caller. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, Sean, I, I, the third time I've watched your show, and, and today I heard you, you saying nobody that's smoking pot needs to call, and, and I'm not. Yay! However, I'm Yay! However, I'm wondering how come you, you make that joke when Jesus Christ used cannabis to heal and it's in the Bible as the planner right now. <laughs> I think you're I think you're proving that you have broke the rule, John. Where in the Bible does it show that he used cannabis to heal? Calamus was mistranslated. Oh man, that's heavy. Well, you know what? Let me put it to you this way. I don't care if that would be true. I mean, if that herb is used medicinally or whatever, uh, if someone wants to do that, that's fine. I, that's, I, I'm not going to be the one who steps in and talks about it. All I can say, yeah. though, is I don't want people calling our show who's been smoking it. That's all. Yeah. Well, and that's, a, that's acceptable. But, but you know, in, in Genesis we read that every herb, you know, every herb that, that bears seed is for the use of man. And in the next verse, every green herb is the meat of man. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, you know, I'm not going to get into a discussion on it. Uh, people, there is liberty in Christ Jesus. I think I, I'm not, I am not suggesting people smoke marijuana. There's also a scripture that talks about the laws of the land and the laws that say it's illegal. So we have a lot of things in the Bible that we can pull out and use. Yeah, well, do you believe that, that Christ used mud to heal the blind or that he used a, an ointment that he had made to heal the blind? When we have 17,000 studies worldwide now that show that it heals the body shouldn't we give credence to the fact that cannabis is a healing herb it's the plenary renowned it's the only plant that gives fruit every 12 or every month of the year john you can take that you can start your show you can do your magazine i it's okay with me it just doesn't it's just i don't want people calling our show who've been smoking pot that's all uh, and 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 i haven't been but <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is a very important thing. 20 million Americans are, have been arrested for it. Yeah, I know. It's pretty bad. You, well, know, you take I mean, care, my friend. We have a drug war that is, is the, the, you know, I John, mean, tyranny John, beyond belief. John, it's, it's the wrong form. But it's okay, man. You take care. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.
All right, we're going to Ed in Salt Lake City, first-time caller. Ed, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes. Um, questions. Yeah. Uh, you're very critical of, of the LDS Church. I've seen you three or four times, and, and uh, I'd like to know a little bit about you, if that's possible. What do you want to know? Uh, I want to know, uh, where, where do you get your funding? <laughs> the money is the first thing you want to know? No, it's... it's Can I ask you questions, or are you afraid to answer questions? No, I'll answer any question you want. I'm just pointing that out to the audience. That's funny. I'll tell you exactly, all right? Uh, but you Let know, me tell you, you ask the question, let me tell you, and then you can go to your next one. My wife and I, we went into debt to start this whole ministry. We self-published the book and had our garage full of them while we used credit cards to send them out to people. Uh, we have never asked for funds until this last year when we had people partner with us. We went for three and a half years self-funding the entire ministry, except for people who decided to give, uh, contribute. And I think for three years, the total contributions for our ministry of me traveling up here every week and back was $12,200. That's for three years, and that's of me working a job at a state park collecting parking tickets. Okay, so don't okay. go down, don't, don't hit me with something and infer like there's some sinister, you want money and you want to know where money is used evil, go look into the LDS church, okay? We're talking billions of dollars. Are, 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 you, are you going to let me say anything? I am now, I answered your question. Okay, so you, you are parking ticket, uh, that's where you got your money, is that correct? No, that's, that's where I went into debt. Okay, so you... You're an honorable man. You work, right? You show up, right? Yeah, I show up. But I've watched you uh, over a period of a year. I, not every, in fairness, probably I've seen you four times. And you seem to be deteriorating as an individual. <laughs> can you respond to that? I can respond to it. Um, Thank you. I hope I'm deteriorating in my flesh. I hope that no, this no, flesh... No way. The way you look. I understand the way you, your, you talk. I understand your point. Okay. And uh, I purposely look this way so that guys like you can look in their heart. Okay? I can make myself a, a handsome, representable guy, you know? I can put on a white shoot and tie and really look good and play the part. I do this purposely so guys like you can say, boy, look at he, the devil's moved into that guy now. You know, why don't you that. look I at the. Don't, I, I didn't you didn't say, say that? that? What does deteriorating no. mean? Because appearance, you wear costumes, I wear costumes. Right? I don't wear costumes. I wear what I wear. I wear these clothes uh, on the sir, street. Sir, I, uh, that, is, that, that, that word costume is, is a style. Let's say you wear a style, I wear a style. All right. I wear a shirt and tie every day. I'm sorry. And, and the reason I do that because I require my younger men to do that way. What a but, shame. No. Well, Thoreau said, trust, new, but, trust no enterprise sir, that requires new clothes. I, no, I'm very skeptical sir. of people who require their younger men to wear ties. What are you trying to get them to tell their customers? Because I want them to be established and re people to respect them. I understand. Okay. I wonder if you, I, what, you what, what, what would you have thought of Jesus? Ed, what would you have thought of Jesus? I don't know how Jesus looked. How about you? John the Baptist? We do know how he looked. John the Baptist was an outdoorsman, 
right? <laughs> John the Baptist never cut his hair. He never shaved. He lived out in the desert. He ate grasshoppers and honey. He wore a, a, a coat that was sticky and harsh on the skin. You would have hated him. You would have despised him. You would have looked at him sure. on the street, and you would have told your young men in their ties, have nothing to do with that guy right sure. there. Sure. You Pharisee. You I'm on one tonight. You don't, you don't really understand, do you? I understand completely. That's the you, problem, you, Ed. No, no, you don't. I do. You like to lecture, and you like to put people down. You don't want to understand how people act and feel and, and, and talk. Ed, I, I just, what I do is I summarize what you're trying to deliver, and I get to the point. You have done the same thing, except you do it with great politeness. You say deteriorating instead of you look like crap. There are, there are a lot of different catchwords that you use, but just because you're able to tell me to go to hell without saying it doesn't mean you're not conveying that message. I know what you're I, doing. I'm, I know I'm what glad, you're doing, Ed. I'm glad you're a mind reader. I oh. asked, I simply said, I can't have intuition. First, you talk about where do I get my money? Then you talk yeah. about how I've deteriorated. What's next? You want to know about my sex life now, Ed? No, I, I'm sure your sex life's very full. <laughs> well. <laughs> My poor. Uh, how many how many adulterous relationships have you had in your life? Wait, Ad, go ahead, Ed. Ed, wait, wait, no, I can't, wait. I couldn't hear you. Say, start it again. I think the, one of the reasons you were excommunicated was because of sex. I was, I was, I was excommunicated, Ed, for everything you can imagine. No. And I have said that the on this show. You were a seminary teacher. And you were excommunicated because of sexual violations. Ed, you are absolutely correct. And I was excommunicated because I refused to believe in Mormon doctrine. And I was excommunicated. Wait. Were, and I was excommunicated because I used uh, pharmaceutical drugs to excess. And I was excommunicated not because I was a seminary teacher at the time. That's not true, Ed. That inference is incorrect. I have made no bones about what my life was as a Mormon. I was the product of Mormonism, remember. I looked really good when I lived that life. That's what's interesting about this, is you, now when I'm chose, close to the Lord. You chose the, you chose the life you're living, and that's your responsibility. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, and because you failed, and you didn't show up, and you couldn't keep the commandments of the Lord, you now profess to know everything, Ed. when in reality you're covering up sins that I don't, you've committed Ed, I don't and cover are any continuing sin. to commit. Ed, you're believing what you want to believe. Will you let me say this? Since the beginning of this show, people have called in. Why did you get excommunicated? I have said many times for every sin under the sun. In the book I wrote, I said I was the most egregious sinner. I consider myself like Jean-Paul Sartre. I've never met a man more evil than myself. I have not hid anything, Ed. You are trying to put on me a picture to make yourself feel better. I'm sorry. No, no I, I feel sorry for you. I don't care about and, your, and, that. And, Let's and, talk about something else, and that is you said I didn't obey the commandments. Ed, I want to know, do you obey the commandments? Yes, I do, to the best of my ability. Excellent. Ed, Ed, Jesus said don't look on a woman with lust. Have you ever done it? I, I do not do it. What? I do not do that. Have no. you ever done it? I, I, I look at women. I appreciate beauty in all forms. Oh, you are pathetic, never, man. You are pathetic, dude. I've never committed fornication. I've never committed adultery. What, what did Jesus say about adultery, Ed? He said, if you look upon a woman with lust, you've committed it in your heart. Have you done that, Ed? 
Is it in your heart or is it in, in, in your... Ed, answer my question. Ed, answer my question. I don't believe that, sir. Jesus said it. Jesus said, said it. it in your Bible as far as it's translated correctly. Oh, you are pathetic. It's in your Bible, too. I know the King James Mormon Bible. It says it in yours, too. Ed, have you ever okay. told a lie? You tell lies every... I, I, I admit listen, it. I'm a liar. The biggest on the earth. I listen to your polygamy diatribe. diatribe hey, hey, and I hey, listen carefully. And Ed, what's wrong? You're starting to get angry. Use was out of context, was without any reputable Ed. reputation. You Ed? A, a postates, you used outside uh, uh, writers Ed? that have been disproven, and that's what you do on your show. Ed? And you act august. Ed? You are so Ed, we're talking about your sin. No, you got off that really you. quick, didn't you? We, we, we need to talk Ed, about Ed, let's it. talk about your sin. You brought mine up, quid pro quo, Ed. You brought my sin up. I have how no problem you, saying... How can you be a minister Ed? and act like you do Ed, let's talk seriously. about. Ed, let's talk about your sin. Ed, and, and Ed, you, ter you, you Ed, preach dogma, Ed, you preach false doctrine. Ed, let's talk about you your preach, sin. Ed, you, you, you're, you're a hiss and a byword. Ed, I talked about my sin openly. How, how many friends do you have? In I don't have life? any friends, Ed. Ed, tell me about your sin. Have you ever lied, Ed? Certainly I've lied. Then you're a liar. Did you know that? I... I, everyone is Did you a know liar. everyone's a liar? Okay, so you'll agree to that. So lying is one sin, but if I if I had a problem with women or drugs, that's worse, Ed, in your book. I think you have to answer that question. I did. It's not worse in my book. It's all ugly sin, Ed. You're the one who does, has the problem, not me. One, no, Are you starting to no, see this in yourself? No, Ed. Sir, do you have a problem you're, with pride? You're, you're a great rationalizer. You I'm not rationalizing anything. Continually, There's and no, then you criticize other people's personal beliefs. There, your personal beliefs are a lie when you say you're Christian. That's it. Say you're not a Christian, I'll leave you alone. That I'm not a Christian? Yeah. Certainly I'm a Christian. Then we're going to fight till the end of time, my friend. Till the I end of time. Fight. I don't fight. I know what I am. You know what you are. I know what you I are, too. I, you're a Pharisee. You are oh, a no. Sadducee. No. You're a man no. who looks down his nose at people who look bad. You accuse them of sin. You think individual. you don't sin. You're amazing. You should be wearing robes and walking no, around. What is your no. deal? Don't, don't take my words out of context. I'm taking them in context, Dad. This people is all that are within... listening will recognize you as a fraud. People listening are going to recognize me for what I am. A guy saved, a, a sinner saved by Jesus. You're, you're a fraud. How am I a fraud? What's fraudulent about me? Almost everything you say is a dishonest act and a verbalization. Everything I say is terms almost, of... Almost, uh, almost, almost everything you say is well, a dishonest statement. Then you're a good guy. I, I'm a decent guy, yes. <laughs> I get up in the morning, I do my, I, I take care of my family. You take care of your family, Ed? You're a good yes. man. You show up to work, you wear your tie. Yes, I do. You're yes, a good guy. Ed, Ed, how are you getting to heaven? What's going to get you there, Ed? Works. As Beautiful. Well. Awesome. See, see, you, I, you don't believe. No, I appreciate see, you, this. You failed at working. I have. You, I, I you have, have fa failed. You're right. Ed, you're right. 
I have you failed. Have failed I have at failed. working. I have failed at working. You I, think the Lord's going to take you to heaven I on do. a chariot? I do. And reality, you're headed. I don't know where you're headed. Okay, Ed, I have failed in all works. I, nothing I do has ever been sufficient. I am a miserable worker. I have given nothing but slop to God, and I admit that. I will continue to give nothing but have slop. Have you ever? To him. Answer this question. You love you love honesty, right? I, well, that's funny you would say that about me, but go ahead. Uh, have you ever been successful in anything in your life? No. No, I, I'm serious now. I'm serious have, too. Have you been a finisher? I'm not a finisher, Ed. Right. I'm and, a, and I am the that. lowest of low. I don't no. know how to say how no, many I ways can... I can say this. Oh, you don't want? Be so I childish. think you no. You want me to say something that you think is in me? You don't get it. I do not have I, a bone in my body that thinks I am good, because I'm not. I tell my wife and kids, man, I am a bad guy. Ed, look it, I'm saying this how, on the air to you. I'm a very bad man. How, but, do, you, how do you look at your kids and, and your wife and say that? Because it's the truth, Ed. And the problem is, is they know that, but they know that I trust in a God who saved me as a bad man, okay? And this is what I'm trying to get through said, to you. You Do said you get it? you're a bad man now. I'm a, I'm a bad guy even today. It's only Christ Jesus that saved me that makes anything good of my flesh, Ed. You know, okay, what? And, and, and sir, yeah? I'm saying, you're saying you're bad. I am a bad man. Then repent and change your life and be productive. You're not getting it, Ed. I am getting it, and that's what the Lord put us down here to be. He did, did To he? learn and progress and, and challenge life. So you're going to save yourself about... by your works. No. Ed, I, I really, as bad as I am, I feel very bad for you. I feel very bad for a man who calls and Every, says uh, you know, he's saved by his works. I, I, I'm saved. Everybody's saved. Wow, I, you are I'm just a amazing. Saving. Everybody's to me saved. Even you. Ed, but, you are just so, it's, I, I just, please stop talking. Let's just end this call. Are you afraid? No, I'm, I'm frankly feeling terrible about you. I, I just feel very badly for you. Then in, in, in Norwegian we say ligamote. That means in like manner. Okay, so we will go to heaven and this is the final deal, okay? And I'll let you have the final word. But my final deal is I'm going to heaven and I'm saying, God, I do not deserve the life you gave me, the gifts you gave me, the blessings you gave me. I have nothing to offer except my faith and trust in the shed blood of your son. Do with me what you want. You are going to go to heaven and say, God, I am an honorable man. I have lived my covenants. I have worked for my salvation. This is me. This is me. We will stand and see what happens, Ed. We will. Well, All right, man. Thanks. Great call. Take care. Bye-bye. Awesome. Let's go to George in Salt Lake City. George, you're on Heart of the Matter. George? George, you're on the air. George, you got to turn your TV set down. George, going once, going twice. George, we're going to John in Haslett, Michigan. John, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I, I'm pretty good. I'm not as wound up as Ed, but I'm pretty good. <laughs> Man, Ed wound me up. 
<laughs> I saw that. You, you looked pretty, you know, pretty tense uh, uh, negotiations there. Yeah, it was tense negotiations. We're negotiating over Ed's soul, and he doesn't know it. <laughs> well, uh, what can you say? <laughs> so what's happening, John? Uh, I, I'm a lot like you. I'm a, a former church member, and uh, unlike you, I, I didn't go from, from Mormonism to Christianity. I, I kind of uh, took the, the uh, atheist-slash-agnostic route. Uh-huh. Uh, I met a lot of former church members that are the same way, and I'm kind of just uh, curious about your, your whole take on the on, uh, on on that. I think it's a I think it's a very uh, normal reaction from people who come from Mormonism. I think that's the unfortunate thing. We call it the uh, scorched earth policy. They've told you for your whole life that we're the only true church, we're the only, 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 only. You come to find out what it's all about. You know, what do you want to have to do with another church? I mean, this one really burned you out. So I think it's a normal response. I went through a period of time uh, too where I became quite the nihilist and didn't believe in anything. And uh, so I can appreciate your stance. All I would say is if you are uh, uh, in this place in your life, that you would at least be open, especially if you are agnostic, you would at least be open to going to whatever God there is and saying, I don't know, I don't even know if you exist, but I would love for you to show me, prove to me, show me that you're there. Now, it's not just words, and this is kind of the problem, because if it becomes uh, kind of a, a semantical thing that you do, it's not going to be of much effect. But if your heart is really open to searching, give that a try. Not a man, not a religion, nothing else. Go to him. You have that right to go as his creation and say, show me you're there. At least give him that shot. And then stay on the line so I can send you our book. Okay, I'll do that. Is that a deal? Yeah, I'm, I'm open to, to, you know, new things. and. Uh, awesome, John. Yeah, How do you know about us from Haslip, Michigan? Uh, yeah, I uh, picked you guys up on the Internet just uh, through, uh, through YouTube videos that you guys have posted. And then uh, kind of I, I watch the program on occasionally. Uh, so. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much, my friend. Please stay on the line. Don't hang up. We're going to get your address. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, Bye-bye, John. John. We're going to pick up John, whatever line he was on. Some operator, please get him. We're going to try. Oh, oh, I can't do it. Stephanie in Taylorsville, first time caller. I'm sorry. Please call back uh, first next week. Jack in Murray, please call back. We're sorry we couldn't pick you up tonight. Listen, we really need your help this Saturday, August 1st at West High School. Teenagers, please come. We're doing an important shot. Once you see the final product, you're going to be really glad you participated in this thing. We think it's going to have legs. Listen, the Lord is there. He and he alone, he saves you by his grace, through his blood. It is him, it is not us. Our works are of filthy rags. We lie, we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're worth something. We are worth something great in his eyes. And uh, when he saves up, we become his children. And uh, I just want you to know that he's there for you if you're searching, struggling. And if Mormonism has done a, a number on you like it did on me, God bless you. I love you. If you wear a suit and a tie, I love you too. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.